that was a bad loss. I get it. That, that, that loss stunk. But we're not going to say it. We're not going to say it. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome into Locked On Reds. My name is Jeff Carr. I am one half of the Locked On Reds podcast. Steve Offenbaker's been out this week. He'll be back next week with me. Uh, I am a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan. I've turned an addiction to this team and to information for you as we are finishing up my fifth season now covering the Reds on a daily basis here for Locked On Reds. I want to thank you for making Locked On Reds part of your day. We are brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day and every single day for the last month the Cincinnati Reds have had a bunch of people that are uh, looking to portend doom and gloom they want to predict the demise of this team well we have reached zero hour and the Reds backs are against the wall but they are not done yet we are not going to say that on today's podcast. So if you came here expecting me to pretend doom and gloom and, and tell you that it's over, we're not going to say it. Not going to say it. Look, Thursday, or Thursday, see, I'm all off. Wednesday's game stunk. Hunter Green did everything we asked of him. In fact, he did far more than that. Seven beautiful innings. 14 strikeouts. The most strikeouts since Ron Valone in 2000. At St. Louis, which, by the way, if you'd have told me that a strikeout record was held by Ron Valone over the last so many years, well, okay, that's nice. I I could have guessed a couple of other guys on top of him or before I would have got to Ron Valone, but that's okay. Hunter Green now holds that record. Or, you know, he's most since 2000. Ron Valone had 16 against the Cardinals in the year 2000, and Hunter Green had 14 against the Twins yesterday. <sighs> The way that they lost that game was discouraging. And I definitely want to talk about that. I also want to uh, welcome in Sully. He's actually going to join me for the second and third segment of today's show as we look at the red spot in the wild card, uh, what the loss probably meant, and why it's not what you think. And then we are going to look at everybody else in the wild card and why the loss isn't what you think. Um, before we get into everything, though, I want to let you know today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app and use the promo code LOCKDOWNMLB to get $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And look, I am an optimist when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds. Everydayers will know, maybe to the chagrin of some of you, that I am an optimist for the Cincinnati Reds. I am not a shill for the organization. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to uh, paint a rose-colored picture, a Reds-colored picture here or something like that. But I will tell you this, most of the time I err on the side of positivity for the Cincinnati Reds ball club. That's why it's so hard to come on here and feel any sort of positivity after the two days that the Reds have just had. This series against the Twins was winnable, The Twins, while they will win the AL Central, they're doing it because of a lack of competition, not because they're that good. But I really think that 
the, the Reds gave this one away. Obviously, they gave away Wednesday. Felt like they planned to give away Tuesday's game from the word go. And now we're looking at this, and, and Steve and I had just told you that in the final 10 games, final 11 games maybe, uh, they, that the Reds needed to go 7-3, 10 games, and the final 10 games needed to go 7-3 to feel good about themselves, 6-4 and four if they need help, 5-5, um, five and five, forget about it. Uh, so now they've lost two of those three games. So it would be disingenuous of me to come on here and say it. So I'm not going to say it. You're probably saying it in the comments, but I'm not going to say it. The plays, it was two plays really for Jonathan India in that uh, ninth inning. The, the first one he couldn't have made. The, the bunt, the bunt single by Willie Castro, which by the way, tip the cap to Willie Castro in this series. My goodness, because before this series, couldn't have cared less about Willie Castro, but that dude played his butt off and he beat the Reds two nights in a row. Well, a night and an afternoon, two days in a row. Because he bunts himself on, he steals second, and because Jonathan India can't smother the ball, he he kind of tries to, it, it's not even like an ole, it was, just a, it was just a bad play. And the ball careens into center field, and Willie Castro's got an easy run to third, and so you got a runner on third with nobody out in the top of the ninth inning. So what happens? Kyle Farmer hits him in. Just to kind of, you know, just dig a little bit at the Reds there. Kyle Farmer got a little bit of it. It was the Kyle Farmer revenge game. That's what it was. But then Alexis Diaz, so Alexis Diaz can't avoid that. Then he allows a couple other base runners. And then they pull him and they bring him Sam Maul. And Darth Maul can't get out of it. And then all of a sudden it's 5-3 to three and the Reds lose. You can't give that up. The Reds set themselves up to win that ball game. Hunter Green pitched beautifully. The lineup wasn't good, but it did enough. Gave you enough runs support. And you bring in Ian Jabot in the eighth. I thought, and we'll talk about this in a minute with Sully, but I thought Hunter Green could have came out in the eighth. Didn't do that. Ian Jabot comes out, gives up one run. So, you know, Minnesota's chipping away at that very small lead anyway. It was only three to one at that point. It wasn't like the Reds were up by a ton. But it felt like that was the game that they were going to win. And after the way that they lost on Tuesday, the way that they lose on Wednesday just gets compounded. Because you, you give away Tuesday's game, and then you blow Wednesday's game, and that's that, that's tough, man. Now the Reds are a game and a half out of the final wildcard spot. They're two and a half behind uh, Arizona, who's in the second wildcard spot. But that's the hilarious part about all of this. And I'm not going to talk about it just for the moment here because Sully and I dive into this quite a bit in just a minute. But um, the other teams aren't playing well either. So the Reds are getting a little bit lucky here. And that's really where this comes into play because we're going to talk about it when we look back on this season. The starting pitching on the whole, I mean, two out of the last three games has been fantastic. The rest of the season's been miserable. A team with this bad a starting pitching throughout the season should not be where the Reds are. It's a testament to the rest of the team. It's a testament to the lineup. It's a testament to the bullpen. And it's a testament to David Bell's managerial ability. 
Which, by the way, and and, and real fast, because this would have been a fun thing to really dive into it had the Reds win, but it, it kind of feels superfluous now. But the challenge that he won, the the bunt, the attempted bunt by Luke Maley there in the bottom of the seventh inning, uh, because you had uh, uh, Will Benson on third base, they tried to do a squeeze play. And Luke Maley squares around a bunt, but it hits his fingers as he bunts. The umpire just caught it as a normal play. Uh, it was it was a bad pop-up. Will Benson had to hold it third. Luke Maley was out at first easy. But David Bell challenged, and the ruling on the field was overturned. The out was taken off the board. Luke Maley goes back to bat with one strike on him because it was called a dead ball foul since it hit him in the finger. It was a crazy challenge and just another testament. There are so many different things that you can put in the pros column for David Bell this season. The cons column isn't empty by any stretch. He's not pitched a perfect game this year, but he has managed very, very well. And he's going to be a finalist for manager of the year because of it. And I think if the Reds make the postseason, he wins it. But that was just another example. But again, this all comes to the ninth inning where Jonathan India has a defensive miscue on an attempted caught stealing. And that's really what just snowballed everything. Alexis Diaz earlier on in the season pitches around that problem and gets the Reds out of it. But we're to the point in the year where he's done it so much that he's not a robot. He's going to be a little bit rough around the edges at this point. And that's what happened. It's a little bit tough to accept because of where the Reds are. There are now eight games left, and the Reds are a game and a half out of a playoff spot. So you really need to see them turn it around. They've they've got an important three games. We are now to the point where they kind of need, okay, they don't kind of. The Reds need to sweep Pittsburgh this weekend. The final three home games of the season – The Cincinnati Reds need to sweep them. And Pittsburgh's not been playing bad ball lately. But it's just the fact that that's where they are. And I I misspoke. They are only a game out of a wild card spot. I wanted to check that because I was, uh, I had, there was a disturbance in the force. And it's, (laughs) thankful, (laughs) thankfully, to the Cubs pitching, the Cubs have just, oh my goodness, they have collapsed. Pittsburgh scored 13 on them. Are you serious? Sorry, that's that's real time there. But that's the reason that the Reds are still in this. They, the, the, the two, almost what feels like, and in a vacuum, probably would be rock bottom, two days of the season that you just feel the lowest about the Cincinnati Reds, they are one game out of a playoff spot. It's insane. You got to love the sport that it's called baseball and the wild card race. And we are going to talk all about that. Sully and I uh, really dove into what this loss meant for the Reds in the wild card race and why it's not as bad as you think. That's coming up next. Before we get to that, I want to tell you about game time. Game time is my favorite way to get down to the ballpark. They've got amazing deals, last-second deals on tickets because, let's face it, it's not all the time that you've got an entire, uh, you know, week or month or however long plan that you're going to be going to a game soon. Sometimes you just want to go down to the ballpark. 
Game time is going to help you do that. They've got amazing prices as well. I use this all throughout the season. And as we come closer to the postseason, where hopefully the Reds will be in the postseason, maybe even get a home postseason game if they make it through the wild card round, then you can use the game time app to get down to a postseason game as well. And as the Bengals season going on, Bearcats, Bearcats are facing Oklahoma this Saturday. Game time is going to help you get down there if you want to check that game out and see a team that may never come to Cincinnati again in college football if you're into that sort of thing, which I'll be down there. I'm into that sort of thing. Game time is the best way to get down to the ballpark or the football field or the basketball arena, whatever. Last second tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Download the app today. Use promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. I use Game Time every year. You should too. Download Game Time today. Use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. All right. Now, uh, Jeff Carr from Locked On Reds is with me. And I'm sure he wants to use his Game Time app to watch the Reds in the postseason. Um, all right. I, I The AL West is uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. The NL wild card is so confusing. I I do my summer score where I keep track of who's in a postseason position every day, and it is every day. It's like it's like watching the shell game. It's watching three card Monty. You know I can't keep track, and I and I have to usually wait till the end of the day for the dust to settle to be like, okay, which one's a playoff team now? And um, this afternoon, the Cincinnati Reds and Mister Green. The Reds, green for the Reds, pitched exactly the kind of game you want down the stretch. Exactly. He pitched like an ace. And uh, the Reds rewarded him by, I mean, he's, he struck out 14 batters, walked one in seven innings. He let up a solo home run. That was practically all the offense that Minnesota got. And mm-hmm. um, so naturally the Reds lost the game in a brutal, absolutely brutal Ninth inning, uh, Polanco got the big hit. Um, you're the Reds fan. Um, talk me through this because you can't ask for a better. Uh, I don't care what pitcher's on no. the mound. You can't ask for a better performance than what Green gave you today. Not at all. And, and that was something that we wondered a little bit about because, you know, this is now his fourth start after coming back from the injured list where he had a, a hip contusion that turned into something else with his hip and had to figure all of that out and how to recover and all this other stuff. And so his first couple of starts were struggles. And so you're thinking down the stretch, this team already has really three starting pitchers. Connor Phillips just pitched very well on Monday, but that was not expected. So maybe they have four starting pitchers. Everybody else is hurt or ineffective. And so they've had to use a bunch of bullpen days that have been, you know, either shutouts or they give up 12 runs. So (laughs) Hunter Green has to be that guy. And he was 14 strikeouts is the most by a red starting pitcher since Ron Valone in 2000 at St. Louis. He actually had 16 strikeouts. So that should have been my trivia question. That should have been my trivia question. Yeah, there you go. I I just gave away the answer, but uh, that you have to go a long way to find a performance that was that dominant. And for me, and this didn't factor into the decision of the game, but I thought he could have come back out at least for a little bit for the eighth. Thank you. It only Thank throw 96 you. pitches. 
and he's fresh. It's not some of these other guys is like, oh man, they, they pitch late into the year. They've, they've never pitched this much. Hunter green has, and Hunter green is fresh because he was on the injured list. I think that you save the bullpen a little bit more, but then you even add on to that. When you get into the bullpen, the reds had their a squad available. They had Alexis Diaz who hadn't pitched in a couple of days. They had Lucas Sims who didn't pitch in this game, but he hadn't pitched in a couple of days. Ian Jabot who leads the team in appearances, but he hadn't pitched in a couple of days. Everybody's ready to go. And that group, the A squad, is what blows the game. That's what that's what throws me. And then there's defensive miscues and things like that uh, there in the ninth inning. But Alexis Diaz has been good enough to pitch around those this year. Instead, he gets his third blown save. And now everyone, and, and look, this is the time of year that when you do lose a game, their first person in the comment section is saying, I told you, they're done, we're done, we're done. no more playoffs now they're still in it because of how crazy this whole wild card picture is. But I'm glad you brought, because look at, I, I was, I wasn't sitting down watching the game because the man's got a job, but I, I was checking on it and I thought, Oh, they're going to send them out for the, for the eighth, at least send them out for the eighth, you know, because we're at that time of year, you know, I, that's it. I, I had a different complaint for the Blake Snell, no hitter the other day. Cause I was like, why not mm -hmm. let him pitch the eighth? I mean, it's Padres Rockies. What are you saving his arm for at this point? I mean, it's like, why not see what you got, you know, but this was different. It was like, Hey, look at, let's give the bullpen a day off. Let's have that high of look at, we got, we hand the ball. He pitched like a, now if he gets in trouble in the eighth inning, I totally understand taking him out, Right. but you get a chance to win that kind of a game and you, you, you know, you sit it out. I'm sorry. I, I, there's no way I, I, I don't let him at least come out there. They were talking about it in the middle of the game. The broadcast crew, they said that, um, in the middle of, or the, the bottom of the seventh inning, whenever the reds were hitting, they said there were multiple, not just one, there were multiple discussions between Hunter green and manager David bell. And they thought that that meant Hunter Green was going to stay in this ballgame because they said that his body language was that of somebody that was not coming out. Like they hadn't ran the, you know, the tail of the tape or anything like that. They hadn't ran the box score for his start at that point. And so you're thinking, okay, he's coming out for the eighth. And then that just doesn't happen. And the, the, the biggest problem, Sully, with this loss is that it comes a day after it felt like they punted a game on Tuesday. Yeah. They pitched a bullpen day and the way that they pitched it, they pitched everybody, but the a squad, like I mentioned, they threw Ben lively out there for four innings after the second inning, it was very apparent. He didn't have it. And then, you know, you give some credit to Willie Castro for making some amazing plays for the twins in center field. But the way that the Reds strategized that game, it just felt like they punted it. And in the seventh inning, and this is what let me know. And it's why I'm wearing my shirt. This is possibly the last homestand for Joey Votto as the Cincinnati Reds player. And I hate saying that, but I think that's where we're going with this. Mm -hmm. He was pinch hit for in the seventh inning for another left-handed hitter. It was so weird to see. I'm like, that. Th there's no matchup since there. What? Why are we? And he's fine. He played today. So, yeah. I, the whole game on Tuesday was just like, wow, you're really betting on Wednesday. So when they lost on Wednesday, that just made it even worse. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand. It. I don't understand it at all, especially they have eight games left. Yeah. They have eight games left. 
Three home games and, and five road games. Yep. Okay, so look at we're gonna talk about eight games when we come back, and the fact that in these eight games, the teams that are running for the wild card may do the absolute unthinkable and give hope for a team that is quite frankly dead from the neck up, but not dead in the standings. Well, Sully, right now with football season getting started, FanDuel's the place to go because they've got a great offer for everybody. If you go and you create an account today and you place a $5 wager, you're going to get $200 in free wagers back, whether you win or lose. You got to check them out today. FanDuel is so easy when you're talking about NFL, when you're talking about uh, baseball playoffs. They've got all kinds of great props. Uh, One of my favorite things is... If I'm getting a feeling on a player, I was at the ballpark on Tuesday, unfortunately, for that uh, bad loss for the Reds. But uh, beforehand, an usher was telling me about how Ellie De La Cruz was hitting the ball to the smokestacks there in center field. A couple of different balls in batting practice. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to FanDuel. I'm going to put a prop on Ellie to hit a homer. He didn't. But you can do all (laughs) kinds of fun stuff like that on FanDuel. Check him out today. Uh, and, and there's a great line as well when you're talking about uh, who's going to hit the first home run because typically those odds are pretty crazy. And if you pick the right guy, you're going to win big. Check them out today. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on. To get started, you bet $5, you'll get $200 back in free bets, win or lose. As we move throughout the playoffs with baseball and, and we've got uh, college football, NFL, uh, NBA's coming soon, NHL. It's, it's that time of year. We, we are getting into one of the best sports months of the year, and the best way to take advantage of that is with FanDuel. San Diego Padres have been out of it for a little bit. They've been phoning it in. And boy, with this log jam, they must be just kicking themselves if they only were decent the first half of the season, they would be right in the middle of it and like the Blue Jays be super dangerous. But I took a look because the the Giants have been falling like a rock and they lost again today to the Diamondbacks. Shout out to Miller Thomas, who is thrilled that the Diamondbacks are making a run for it. The Cubbies, despite getting a grand slam today, got smacked around by the Pirates, no less. The Marlins have dropped two games to the Mets. In, in one of the games, the Mets did everything but and deliver a game to the to the Marlins at one point. Right. And, you know, the Reds are, you know, they've dropped their last couple of games. The Padres have won their last seven, including the near no-hitter the other day. And look it, there's only eight games left, and they're four and a half out, okay? That being said, the rest of the teams are playing so badly yes. that they haven't eliminated them yet. I mean, I I know it's a long shot, but they're still technically alive. Gordon's alive. And there's a hilarious thing as well, like keeping hope alive for the Cubs because the Cubs had played so well to a point that some people were thinking, could they catch the Brewers? And the Brewers haven't played all that great here recently either. But then the Cubs decided to lose five in a row, and now they're floundering there in the final wild card spot. The Diamondbacks are starting to take a foothold. It, it just it, it feels like, and we keep talking, you know, wild card race makes me think of that sunny episode whenever Charlie Day uh, plays the wild card on one of their schemes, and like, wait, who cut the brakes? And Charlie Day's like, wild card, baby, and then he kicks the back door open and jumps out the jumps out the van. That's what this feels like because. 
as soon as you think someone is dead in this wild card race, they come back. The Giants aren't out of this thing yet, although they really needed to win at least one game against the Diamondbacks to really feel good about their chances. Well, yeah, and it's funny. I was uh, I was up north last weekend, and my mother, who's a big big baseball fan, is listening to this right now. Uh, I was talking about how the Giants lost this game, and the Marlins lost that game, and this, and I, and the, the Diamondbacks lost that game. And I turned to my mom and said, "Like, I don't think anybody won yesterday. I think every, <laughs> I think all thirty teams just lost because it just, yeah. you know, like everyone's on a losing streak right now. It just seems that way sometimes. It was just a day where they're like, you know what, the bottom half of the league that's not." playing for the playoffs we'll give them a win and we'll take this day off though we'll let them have that one yeah. and here's the deal for me at least is that there there you could be cynical and say okay this is all going to be you know posturing for a position to get your butts handed to you by atlanta or los angeles but remember last year there were three teams that won 100 games in the national league and none of them played in the league championship series right it was the final wild card team, the Phillies, who had just barely made it in, and it felt like one game they over the Brewers backed in. Yeah, they like it almost felt like they backed into the playoffs, and then they mm-hmm. were in the World Series. You just got to make it to the dance. Now, I now to be fair, I think this Atlanta team is better than any of the teams that were last year. I mean, this Atlanta team is top to bottom. It's, yeah, but there's no the hope. Dodgers are putting it together, mm-hmm. um, and I don't count out Milwaukee with their pitching staff. They've, yeah, you know Burns, Woodruff, Peralta in a short series, you know in a best of five series they could be up two to one before you could say Cecil Cooper, and I I I would be nervous about them. I still think, and I talked about this the other day. I think it's going to be either Atlanta, Baltimore, Atlanta, Houston. But as I pointed out earlier, Houston could potentially miss the playoffs altogether. <laughs> And if they do, we're going to go into the postseason with no consensus villain. I remember, I can't remember, was it was last year or two years ago, we said that coming into the postseason, we both picked Milwaukee. I did, And it was, yes. be- it was because of their pitching. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like, they've got the makeup and just enough hitting. Like, their hitting is not as good as Atlanta. It's not as good as Los Angeles. It's not as good as Philadelphia. But as a Reds fan, I have seen firsthand how good they pitch. And it's just in every situation you think like, boy, oh boy, is, is our lineup just that bad? Well, then the very next series that the Reds played after the Brewers, they went and they scored like seven, eight, and nine runs in the each three games. So it's like, okay, it's not the lineup. It's just the pitching. Burns, Woodruff, and Woodruff is back healthy. Freddie Peralta, I mean, those big three right there, you're going to see them at the beginning of a series and you might be down 3-0. And, right. and at that point, you're kind of in trouble. And then, of course, five-game series, you know, you lost. Yeah. And, of course, I picked Milwaukee that year because uh, of their pitching. I didn't take into account the bullpen of Atlanta, which basically won that series. Yes. And I didn't take into account the stupidity of lining up the postseason where you had a 107-win team and 106-win team playing each other in the division series. <laughs> the league championship series should have been L.A. versus San Francisco. But I digress. So, you know, every day it's going to be a little something different. Make sure that you're following Sully all throughout the season. Sully's got a lot of great takes when it comes to the game of baseball, and it's it's always fun to hear his perspective. That's really why I wanted to get him on here and talk about where the Reds fit in this crazy wild card picture because, make no mistake about it, this is coming down to the wire. Wh- whether the Reds make it into the postseason or whether they don't, it's going to come down to the final game of the season. And I think yesterday I even said that, you know, Hunter Green 
could have three starts, two if the Reds want to rest him and then pitch him in the first game of the wild card series, they're not going to have that luxury. He's going to have to pitch the final game of the season in St. Louis now because they lost yesterday. But mark it down. This this thing's coming down to the wire. It's going to be so much fun to watch, so much stress to watch. Make sure you're uh, you know stocked up on all of your uh, antacids and things like that because it's going to be crazy. Anyway, thanks so much for checking out today's Locked On Reds podcast that in, uh, included a Locked On MLB crossover. Uh, make sure that you're following the podcast on all your favorite pa- platforms and make sure that you remember you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. But as for me, that'll do it for us here today. Coming up tomorrow on the podcast, we're going to have some special guests. Cespedes Family Barbecue will join the show from the Barbacast, and we will talk about uh, how this Reds team looks and, and the crazy season that it has been and how far this Reds team could go. That's coming up on tomorrow's Lockdown Reds podcast. Thanks so much for checking it out today. We'll see you all tomorrow because we are Lockdown Reds every single day.